Welcome to episode 503 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, October 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, it's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, We haven't talked since... The regular season was still going. Yeah, I think it was was the week before the regular season. It just shows you what the schedule's been like. Um, You guys know that I, I work with education. That's my. That's how I pay the bills. And between middle of July and the about this time is like tax season for an accountant. And so my work, my work hours are very irregular. My travel is at its worst, and doesn't help that my college football team is kicking so much ass. I have to go see it play live. They're too good. You got to get out there. Obviously, yeah, I'm going the Navy this weekend. So. Very nice. Very <laughs> and it's nice. Yeah, so- it's pretty awesome. So that that's kind of that's kind of what we've been running into. Uh, and I, I tried to explain early, like the October is a little bit of a dead month. You, you're not seeing a ton on the website. You're not seeing the pods as regularly. It's a little bit of a decompressed month. And obviously, it's it's about two weeks from being done, and then we're back in to into pretty much high gear, or at least back into mid gear. Right now, I'd say right. we're we're in neutral. We're but as Joe Buck gear. says, as Joe Buck says, irregardless. I mean, it's all going to be down. It's all going to be downhill because we're doing this live in about two weeks. Our annual live show. Exactly. Exactly. We'll be doing it in Arizona, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that already. So uh, one thing we haven't done, obviously, with with not talking to you since the uh, season's been over is talk about your fantasy season. So we will get into that. But I do want to talk about the, the two LCS going on right now and what you're seeing from them, if there's any players jumping out to you, if there's any trends, all that sort of stuff. We just watched the, uh, the Yankees take a 3-2 lead. You know, I always say the series doesn't start until the home team loses. So from that perspective, the Yankee, the, the Astros shouldn't be totally freaked out, but they should start to be freaking out a little bit because they've lost three in a row now, and they're not hitting at all. If they'd lost like five to four or something or three to two, you know, if it was a close game, this one really wasn't in question once once the Yankees put a run on the board. You pointed it out. Once there was a multi-run deficit, even with nobody on, the Astros seemed to be trying to tie the game with each swing, which, of course, you can't do. Um, it, it's just too difficult. And uh, the De- Dodgers-Cubs just started, and the Dodgers are looking for a sweep there. But let's focus on this AL one first. What are you seeing through these five games so far between Yankees-Astros? Uh, uh, Astros can't hit. I mean, there was a point I saw tonight that Springer, uh, Bregman, Reddick, and McCann Jeez. were four for 62. I mean, everything they were doing right in the in the divisional series, they've ceased doing. I mean, one of the things, if you look at runners in scoring position, not like they've had a bunch, but they're hitting 148 with runners in scoring position. Even if they're managing to get guys on, they're dying on base. They can't get them in. I mean, the Yankees, and not let's put it this way, nobody else is really doing it either. You know, the Dodgers are in a three up three games and nothing, and they're hitting 231 with runners in scoring position. The problem, the wow. Cubs are hitting zero. Yeah. They have yet to have a hit with runner scoring position. Uh, it's just it's it's crazy. But looking at this AL series, it's like you know, the, the it seems like the Yankees are just biding their time until they get the Astros starter out of the game for the most part. I know that didn't play out that way tonight uh, with Keuchel. They they you know, they put a lot more balls in play. Yes, they did strike out eight times against them tonight, but they still got seven hits and four and two thirds against Keuchel. And then once they get to the bullpen, you know. It's like game over. That, that's really There's how no that way. series has played out because AJ Hinch isn't, can't trust anyone. And, exactly. And, that, and, and and what fan is trusting anybody? It's really it's crazy to watch it. But is 
one of the things that comes down to when I'm thinking about this is, you know, when that when that bullpen comes in, most of it's been damaged off fastballs. And all the talk we've talked about the fastball losing, it's becoming a, a non-fastball league and teams doing well or doing it without the fastball. But then these relievers come in and, and they're getting punished on the heat. Uh, with Sanchez with a double off the 98 the other night, uh, Judge what was off heat, that kind of thing. It seems like these bullpens built on these high-octane guys uh, are what's are where the damage is coming. And the, the Yankees relievers, for the most part, I mean, save the three-run double uh, by Gurriel, have been able to execute their other pitches. I mean, the Gurriel one was just a flat slider that was up, or a flat breaking ball. That's going to get hit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought the series was Astros in six. But, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was Astros and six to start, um, but the home team can't lose a game now. <laughs> they've got to win. They've got to win six and seven, and uh, you know they didn't even play that well in game two. I mean, Keiko was great in game one, but that was almost one of the best no decisions you ever saw in game two. Um, until the Astros were fortunate. I mean, they should Altuve should have been dead at home plate by a mile, and it just you. It's, it's what happens when you force. A team to make the plays, and they didn't make, and the Yankees didn't make the plays. Judge missed the cutoff guy. I mean, uh, Gregorius made a, a one hop to throw. Yeah, Correa popping up into second base had a little bit to do with that. But uh, Altuve should have been out by five steps. Speaking of Judge, he's starting to hit again, and that's obviously trouble for the Astros and then and then the Dodgers. I really don't see the Cubs coming back. Um, if the Yankees make the World Series, he's at 313-450, for a triple slash now. Had a big hit today, uh, really starting to feel it. Gary Sanchez isn't doing a ton, only hitting 167, but it seems everything he does has damage behind it. Uh, he's hitting for power, but then you look up and down the Astros lineup, and nobody but Correa is re- and Gurriel is really doing anything and you know the one thing that probably didn't get talked about enough is that their bridge to Giles and he he himself got knocked around in in the 8-1 game but um their bridge hasn't been very strong because uh, I, I don't think it got talked about a lot because it didn't need it they didn't need to have a great bridge because they were always playing from in right. front and by the way that was Giles getting beat up in the six to four game pardon me on that one um and I think that that's something that's being exposed is like you said AJ Hinch doesn't have anybody to turn to after a starter goes you know there, there are a lot of innings heaven forbid they come out early uh and and, and aren't able to go five six or, or more or finish the game the way Verlander did because then who are they turning to that they really, really trust? They're not having guys that they trust right now. The Yankees are playing as loose as possible. This is playing out so much like that Cleveland series where, you know, even when they got beat in the first two games, it didn't look like they were they were completely defeated. They've stormed back, and obviously in the last series, these three games would have won it for them, and now they still have to win that last one. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 favor, I favor the Yankees the rest of the way. I do think it's going to go seven, though. It could be a little Justin Verlander bias, just hoping that he wins it on Friday and pushes it to seven. Um, over in the NL, like I said, I don't really see the Cubs coming back. It, you know, it'd make for some thrilling baseball if they did, but they're down 3-0. Talk about not having guys to rely on in the bullpen. Jesus. <laughs> Joe Madden just doesn't have any right now. Um, you know, going to John Lackey in that in that what was that game two with the walk off 
from Justin Turner. I hated that because then he said that he was saving Wade Davis for a save, and I just I just don't like that. I understand that you might then have to go to Lackey anyway if if Davis comes in, holds the you know uh, holds the tide for the inning, and then you guys don't get get runs, or even if they did, they'd have to have somebody for the save. I get that, but at least prolong it, right? Don't I, I don't lose with your best guy chilling. And I know he has not been his lights out in the playoffs. He's looked a little uh, beatable for sure, Wade Davis has, but I just didn't like that move. And, you know, Cubs don't want to hear this or anything like that after winning it last year or whatever, but even making it to the LCS when they had a clear World Series hangover this year isn't terrible. So, I mean, they, they get a little bit of, of credit for that because they, they started off poorly. They rallied in the second half and they, they made the LCS, but they're clearly a team that, you know, just didn't have the, the gas to make it a whole nother run here. I think they're going to end up uh, losing this 4-1 or 4-0, and then they'll have to regroup and, and update that bullpen. Uh, what are you seeing in the NL? Yeah, I mean, the, the bullpen story is just bad. And when you four-pitch walk the pitcher with the bases loaded, oh my goodness, that was it insane. kind of sums up. It just kind of sums up everything uh, for them. But even then, you know, they're struggling in all aspects of the game. They can't make contact. People want to get on the Yankees for the amount of strikeouts that they have. The Cubs are striking out every one of every three plate appearances in this series. One and of every three. The power when they do make contact, which is what the Yankees are doing. Yes, right. they're striking out, but if they don't strike out, it's a double in the gap or a homer over the wall. Yep, and the Cubs just, uh, we already said that no hits in runner scoring position, hitting 140, hitting 160 uh, as a team in this series, just struggling to make contact, expanding their strike zone, uh, not doing things defensively. We saw Ian Happ drop the fly ball last night. Uh, it's just a, a couple of different plays in that series where things looked little league uh, at times. And maybe it's maybe it's a burnout from what happened last year, all the expectations, the funny T-shirt. There's always last year uh, instead of wait for next year. Uh, and that was one of the things I was thinking of as I was trying to sit down and come up with a writing topic uh, for this week. You know, what are you looking back at pitchers that really lean that that got leaned on? I mean, Corey Kluber last year did a ton of work, and Corey Kluber stumbled, stumbled out of the gate, and we could have said, okay, you know, he pitched so much last year. I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And then Corey Kluber shoved the rest of the season until he faded in the postseason. Uh, but you you have to wonder about guys that are pitching so much in you know, in this year, and what's going to – where do we value those guys next year? Are they just a tie – is that just a tie-breaking factor? Like if, if you're down between – you know, if you're down between Verlander and uh, Stroman, not that are even that close, I'm just trying to think of a guy that didn't pitch in the postseason. You know, do you are you at all worried about that pitcher who threw you know four or five extra postseason games? Uh, and especially with Verlander's comment, like every postseason inning is like two regular season innings, right? I, th- I think I think we've heard that uh, out of Smoltz too. He said that he said something similar. I think he might have said an inning and a I mean, half. Maybe it was small. Maybe I'm quoting that, but something half, along those lines. There's definitely a uh, an extra cost to a postseason inning, and we see that by the fact that guys don't usually go more than four, five, six innings because they are exerting the energy of seven, eight innings. Now Verlander ended up going nine. He was he was dealing. Dude, that game was amazing. That, that was an amazing thing to see because you just like that's the complete opposite of what we've been seeing in the playoffs the last several years for a, a guy to go a complete game with 13 punch outs. That was that was something else. You know, I know Jeff uh, Jeff Zerman did something on it a couple years ago after right. the big bum garner, yep. the second run through the playoffs. 
I wonder if he'll update it again because I, I, you know, what he found was it's really a case by case basis thing. And if you use it as a tiebreaker to go against that, the guy who went the extra innings, I, I don't think it's out of bounds to do that. It won't necessarily make me run away from anybody, but it, again, if it's used as a tiebreaker. I totally understand that, and I can completely get behind it uh, with, with certain guys. So we'll see how the rest of these LCS finish out and then the World Series, and then we have the assessment of all the guys that had the extra innings, who had the most, uh, and then you can kind of go from there. I'm a little bummed because uh, you know the, the, the Masahiro Tanaka that I picked to win the Cy Young finally showed up in October. That was the guy I was talking about. <laughs> he's, he's looked fantastic. I mean, it's Imagine if you would have really just impressive. gone ahead and had that surgery. Remember, uh, we even, yeah, we probably like right even away. recommended it. No, no, I take that back. We, you, you and I have always been in the same camp where surgery is never a guarantee, and yeah, so, so there's no rush. Out. Your choice. I, I'm always player choice too. Like, if you want to keep pushing because you're afraid for surgery because you don't because it is no guarantee. I get that. I get that. And he's been mostly really good. This was the first year that Tanaka had real struggles, and weirdly, it was on the road of all places where he where he kind of imploded. Um, he's been fantastic at home in the second half, and then so far throughout the playoffs, 20 really strong innings uh, with a .90 ERA and a .65 whip. 18 strikeouts in those 20 innings, just 10 hits allowed, three walks, and no homers. So that's been really nice for Tanaka. Um, Back to the NL quickly. On the Dodgers side, we're seeing, I think, three guys kind of get highlighted here that that aren't necessarily the the superstars. Chris Taylor, Yasiel Puig. I mean, I know Yasiel Puig's a big name, but he hasn't been a fantasy superstar pretty much since that first season he had. And Austin Barnes, of those three, whose value do you think is, is getting pushed the highest with the playoff that they're having? Man, I think Puig, even if you look at his first at-bat tonight, he hits this, I don't even know what the exit velocity is. It's got to be like 190 miles an hour. Uh, it was one of these line drives that one hop to the left fielder that I, if the shortstop had been better positioned, he could have caught it. Uh, it was just, just one of these frozen ropes. But every time I'm looking at Puig, the ball is just flying off his bat. And it's... It's nice to see. I mean, this is the guy that I, I went out and spent mu- I traded for. Or, no, expansion draft. I went out and picked him up despite the fact he was locked into a long-term deal. And I held him for this year. And I've got to keep him next year at like $24 in a 12-team in a league. But after watching this postseason, I feel like I've got a bargain. Uh, it, it's just a matter of him being able to do this over the full course of a season. I mean, this it's, was the guy helped. that... It really is, and 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 making sure that he's a hundred percent. I mean, he's he's been sent down to AAA for a reason a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, and but when everything's on and we we see what he's he's showcasing. I mean, we've got uh, Tanaka showcasing on the pitching side, and we've got Puig showcasing on on the hitting side, and these are two guys that I think in April we both hey should we cut these guys? I Man, I know the season's over, but you know sometimes Absolutely. it takes a little longer I mean, for talent to resurface. Uh, and in these two cases, um, if you're playing some kind of fantasy postseason league, they're helping you tremendously. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Puig ended up having a hell of a year too. He had 28 homers, 15 stolen bases. Um, yeah. You know, with an 8.33 OPS, this was the guy that people were kind of hoping for the last couple years when he only hit 11 homers in each of the last two years and eight total stolen bases between 2015 2016 for Puig and he's only going to be 27 next year so still somebody that's kind of in in the midst of his peak and can continue to maybe even get better if not at least hold this level that we're seeing Um, again assuming that the Dodgers are going to win 
who you got in the AL, and then who do you got in the World Series? Well, I can't bolt on the I said the Astros in six, so now I'm just going to say the Astros in seven, and every home team series wins it. I guess it's because the childhood, the childhood Houstonian uh, in me remembers the Mets ending the Astros in game six in the Astrodome in 1986, and I can't. I, I can't bear the thought of another New York team ending another Houston playoff run in the Houston stadium. I mean, I'm in half Houston. expecting Jeffy or Jesse Orozco to come out of the stands and, <laughs> and, and go out there and pitch. I just need need to predict who's going to hit the, the Billy Hatcher home run off the foul pole in the 14th. Uh, maybe it'll be Jake Marisnik. Maybe it'll be Marisnik coming in and doing that, but... Uh, and then, and then uh, Chapman will be the lefty reliever that comes in and strikes out um, the right-handed outfielder. Uh, he got himself back in check, by the way. Yeah, and just remember, folks, this is supposed to be a Yankee a rebuilding year for the Yankees in one freaking game from the World that's, Series. That's the that's the crazy part. I mean, the the best I gave them was like I think they'll mess around for the wild card. But I, you know, as the season progressed, it was clear that this bullpen, if they got in the playoffs, oh, yeah. was going to be dangerous, and that's exactly how it's played out. Um, you know, the the, the trades they made. Uh, most people that pay attention already know, but for those of you that don't, if you think it's just Brian Cashman like wins with money, you dumb, you're wrong. I mean, he he's a really good GM, and he made some great moves this year to really stabilize that team, and now. Now they're a force. Um, if Houston does win, do you have them beating the Dodgers? Uh, no, that Dodgers team is no. a machine, right? I had. I mean, that, that was my preseason prediction: was the Astros over the Nationals in the World Series. But I don't have anybody beating the Dodgers. Just the nice. way they're pitching, the bullpen is just filth. Um, the the defense, this is all filthy, and it, it'll be really. I'm not calling for another sweep or anything, but it's and, and a yank. Either opponent, a Yankees Dodgers series could just be phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, uh, I think the World Series is going to be great. I really do. The the, the marketing folks would just freaking absolutely love it. How many times are we going to get clips of Reggie Jackson hitting the home run off Charlie Huff? Today's the anniversary. Yes, today is the anniversary, and that and yesterday was the anniversary of David Roberts uh, stealing uh, the base and David Ortiz hitting the home run. Uh, last time a team was trying to come back from three nothing whole lot of anniversaries but uh yeah both series should be entertaining but man that that dodgers bolt you get out of the you get out the out of the starter you're like okay here comes the rest of the guys throwing things from a variety of angles and uh and the pitchers the pitchers just keep being nastier until you get the dancing who just forget it um the way his stuff it is yeah i can't get out of that that image of uh yeah hit the rod rob friedman's work, uh, pitch that he showed uh that Jansen getting Goldschmidt on a cutter. It's like he's one of the best hitters in the sport, and he can't even recognize the cutter out of the of where that cutter is going to be. And he swung at a pitch that he ran out of bat. Uh, it's just crazy how how so, good that pitch is. A lot of times people say this person is so and so two and I think they miss the point of the two meaning that it's supposed to be a better, more enhanced version. I think sometimes they, they say the 2.0 when they really mean like poor man's version. Kenley Jansen is Mariano Rivera 2.0. He is a more enhanced version of Mariano Rivera. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this to shade Mariano at all. He was uh, as amazing as amazing gets. And Kenley might actually be better. That's the craziest thing. Now, Kenley's got to get those those playoff pelts on the wall. And part of that has to be his other 24 teammates putting him in the position to do so. It's not like he's ever really struggled in the playoffs or anything like that. But he doesn't have the rings to match Mo. So I, I understand that, Yankees fans. Don't get butthurt because I'm going to compare uh, Kenley to Mo. But 
you look up and down the numbers and like what's really the difference outside of what the teammates have done to get him uh, to help him get the world series and again mariano contributed to that he wasn't coasting on that or anything like that this is not a anti-mariano screed it's a pro kenley deal he's so unbelievable and and so yeah right and the thing with him just go to him no i was gonna say even if even if one of the guys does falter they just go to him a little bit earlier, and he gets the job done right. for the Dodgers. And the funny thing is, I, yeah, I think we've mentioned this before. I think the very first first pitch Arizona you and I went to, the very first guy we saw pitch was Kenley Jansen. And we didn't know that this was going to happen. We had no idea. No, 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 no. <laughs> you could hear the heat, but the, the very first guy we saw, um, and it was, oh, which stadium was it? Uh, Peoria, maybe? Nah, I forgot. It was a, I remember it just being a night game, and we went out, and he's the very first guy on the mound that we saw pitch. But the... Uh, I mean, the difference with when I when when Rivera came in, not like you ever felt like your team had a great chance against him to begin with. I was just you know, when he overpowered you, he was blowing oh, up yeah, your bat. When Jansen bad. overpowered you, you're not even making contact. That's 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 the two point zero. That's the two point zero on me. Is like he could come out and throw nine pitches, and you're not going to touch any one of them. At, at least with Mo, sometimes you made contact, and if the bat didn't break, maybe it flips over Jeter's head and in for a single, and and Diamondbacks win the pennant or something like that. Um, so you know, again, this is n- there's nothing anti-Mariano about it. I'm just acknowledging that both are amazing and really only need one pitch to do it, which makes it all the more amazing to me as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I really have a hard time going against these Dodgers, but if the Yankees do win, I really think they can push the Dodgers. I don't know if they can beat them because this team is a machine, but I I hate being in a position where I'm like somewhat pro-Yankee, but I got to respect this team. It's a good team, and there's it's pretty fun to cheer for, too, and I think part of that is Todd Frazier. I, I love yeah. that guy. Um, all right, that's enough for playoffs right now. Let's talk about your 2017 season, Jason. Uh, how did it go in in uh, in your in your big leagues? Uh, any dubs that you pulled through? I know you had a I know you had a, a tough second place finish. Was it second place or third place? I ended up a half a point out of second in tout. Uh, Seth Trackman overcame last week, and we joggled back and forth. And but in the end, I felt Todd half a was point. the one who thought it was ran away and hid from you and like didn't yeah. Ran away with it in second half. When you when you're able to draft a three dollar Aaron Judge and a, I'm sorry, a two dollar Aaron Judge and a three dollar uh, Luis Severino, and then you can fab Matt Olson and fab Lucas Duda, uh, you're living you're living the, right the buttons, dream. Man. So, anything that that happened this year that that you're going to apply to next year, or was it just one of those where where you didn't necessarily have the horses and you ran into a buzz saw and, and you're going to kind of keep the blueprint? For the most part, the blueprint worked for me. I mean, I think I waited, you know, even if I with whip, whip is that nasty. I think uh, Brian Walton wrote a piece at Masters Ball maybe about six or seven weeks ago. Uh, if I could find the link, I'll give it to you. Um, trying to type it up now, uh, but he wrote a really nice article on uh, on ignore like what the the prices the price you pay for not address for waiting too long to address whip and i'm i, I can't i'll find it afterward uh find it after but it's a real good piece i think that was, fine. Uh, was waiting too long to do something you know i finally cut bait with blake snap i was trying to chase strikeouts and like he's got to get a win here at some point he's playing well and he just couldn't get one it was killing me uh and i left him in too long uh Maybe it wasn't Brian. Well, somebody wrote. No, yeah, there's a silent fantasy killer. He wrote in August. Uh, so the, I think that was part of the problem there. And then you know, 
trading for Aaron Sanchez when he when he ended up throwing like ten innings for me. Not like I gave up much, uh, but a couple of different things like that. But I'm I'm happy with the blueprint. But the problem is. It's you know Podhorzer and I had the very same blueprint. I mean, he I think he spent two hundred one fifty nine and I spent one ninety nine sixty one, and so you have two of the top three teams. And I think even Seth Trackman was very high uh, as well. So you've got the top three teams in the league, all were close to like one ninety five two hundred uh, on hitting. Uh, and so I think this year, you know, next year, you're going to see a lot of teams go back in that. So do you go back to the same blueprint, or do you try to uh, do you try to go the other direction and say, okay, uh, I, I'm not going to go as heavy on the hitting, or if I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I've got enough power because I had plenty of power early on, but it just faded. And like, like Corey Dickerson <laughs> really sums up my season. He did so well in the first half, and you know, I was first place. I was first place at the break. And then I've really faded in the second half, just like Corey Dickerson. Um, but it wasn't like I had the opportunity to uh, to move him. It's like by that by that time, you know, the the standings had pretty much stabilized, and there wasn't a lot of room in there to do things. I mean, I had some really nice uh, leads and steals and runs, and all that stuff just dried up um, over the fi- final six seven weeks of the season. And you know, once Podhorse's team really took off, and he had those, uh, you know, when you add a Matt Olson, it's it's good enough when you when you draft a Severino and a Judge, and you're lucky if you hit one of those types of guys. And he got two of them, right? And then and then he fabs because. You know, he, and he had Trout to begin with. And, yes, he did lose Trout, and that's one of the reasons why I was able to get in the first oh, place and hold it for a, a little bit. Um, but, you know, he had he had all this fab that he wasn't spending. And then so he grabs Duda, uh, and he grabs Matt Olson for a buck. And then, you know, that then so he's got two guys he drafted explode, and he's got a fab, you know, Olsen exploded, and Duda did really good in the American League for power, and just he just surged in the home runs. It was like, out of control and the same thing happened in the rbi and it's just you know that's what happens so i'm not uh i'm just i'm not discouraged by anything i just i need to make sure that i do a better job of when whips tanking you know make sure you i think next year i may i may spend all four spots on relievers uh and, and go that route because i you know i tried the because i had drafted Matt Andrees and so I ended up taking Jose De Leon is because you know he was doing well in camp he was the logical insurance policy well he got hurt and then ended up being Jake Faria who was on Potthorser's farm club yeah. uh you know that he actually had fabbed him early in the season uh so along those lines but have those guys to swap out so you're not stuck trying to get with that starter I mean that with as many power relievers that are out there now um, you know, picking up your Tommy Canleys and being able to grab those types of guys, Chad Green, when he was doing uh, before he got hot, going that run. I think that's where I'm going to adjust things next year is, uh, you know, maybe draft the six starters, but then take four power relievers or just take just take the power relievers in the auction and then draft the crappy starters that are left over. Let's talk uh, mixed leagues and uh, things a little bit more global. With the way the, the home run surge, now obviously we don't know if it's going to be there again, but we should – we have to kind of plan that it's going to at least be an elevated home run era. It might not again set records or anything, but I doubt it's going to drastically drop all the way back to what we had a few years ago. Although who knows, but we're going to operate under the assumption that there's still going to be a lot of home runs. Is that going to change your approach for starting pitcher where you might push near the top of the heap? Are you still going to stick in that middle and try to find the guys who emerge and, and are you going to be looking for anything in particular? Do you feel like home run suppression is a skill? How are you going to approach pitching in mixed leagues? 
I mean, I, th- I do think home run suppression uh, suppression is a skill. It's just a matter of where you're going to put uh, to a point, not over. I mean, not completely. Uh, it's just a matter of you know where you're pitching. If everybody is in launch mode, then you can, you know can you can, can you command your pitches? Because ultimately, a lot of guys are hitting their home runs off mistakes. I mean, I've, I've talked about this when I when they go to a home run highlight. I don't watch the swing. I watch where the catcher was setting up and where that glove ended up, so I can see was was it a was it an execution mistake or did the pitcher make the pitch that the catcher called for and the batter was just in his head? He's like, I know where this ball, I know what you know. Is rewinder. I know where you're going to go with that pitch. I'm going to jump on it if you throw it, and if I swing and miss at it, oh well, uh, I guessed wrong. Uh, but that's my favorite thing to do: the watching the game inside the game uh, type of thing. So I, I mean, I haven't sat down and decided where I'm going to where I'm going to go um, for 2018 yet. Um, which types of guys I'm going to look for? Um, I mean, generalities. I'm not going to run away from. I mean, I'm just using the number because I know the number because uh, we talked about him earlier. But like, John, if John Lackey were like eight years younger, you know, you're looking at a guy that had a one nine home run rate this year. John Lackey's going to end up on, would end up on my team the following season because John Lackey's not going to have a one nine home run rate in 2018. Uh, you know, those types of things come down. We talked about this when, when Mike Fires was giving up two and a half home runs per yeah. nine innings. Uh, you know, jumping on those types of guys uh, to see where things go. So I, that's how I typically start my offseason pitching planning. Is I look at so Jake Oder- who had the outliers, who was terrible. Odorizzi had a one point nine. He's twenty seven years old. He's twenty eight. Is he is he that does he fit that John Lackey mold you're talking about? Uh he fits that mold. Oh my goodness. Wilson Contreras just hit one somewhere to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Oof. I'm gonna did you just go Berman on us or is wow. that the right direction? Is does that work? It was the right direction. Okay. It's, it's the right direction. He would uh, because it got up into the jet stream. It went up into the jet stream, he hit it so high and, and just kept going. But this thing was absolutely Berman destroyed. would just in the home run derby would just say a city that's somewhere in the vicinity, and then it would turn out that the yeah. player would have had to hit the ball behind him to actually hit it to Topeka or wherever the hell Berman was saying. So I hope you're right on that fact check there. So. Oh, this was supposed to be this was supposed to be inside, and it got above out over the plate. So speaking of mistakes, uh, that's where it was supposed to be inside. You could see the catcher's glove reach out to go. Oh, 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 God, no. Um, mistake. Yeah. What about uh, what about speed, right? Because that, that we, we, that, this is becoming a thing every single year now, how people are going to address speed. You've had issues with it in your, um, in your tout league before. Again, focus a little more globally in, in mixed leagues. Does the lack of speed make you say, you know what? Then I'll just get my knickknacks everywhere and try to find the Whit Merrifield of the world. Or are you inclined to go D Gordon, Billy Hamilton, one of those two, and then, and then let the rest fall where it may? I didn't take. Uh, I mean, I did take Altuve this year, uh, and but that's really the only speed chase because he's so good in the other categories as well. But I've always ran away. I've always run away from those other types of guys, and, and this year. Any team I had the opportunity to take him, I had Elvis Andrus uh, because I believed, and it worked out. Uh, it worked out this year uh, for me, but I yeah, I finished. I finished. I'm looking at the NFBC. I ended up finishing fifth in that league at 138, uh, but third place was 152, and fourth place was 150. So I'm like I wasn't that far out of the game, uh, but I think in tout I was ended up finishing second place. So I don't. You can find the surprise. You can find those guys that can. 
that could get you enough. I, I don't have the exact tout standings in front of me, but I don't need to go out and pay for those other types of guys. I think if uh, there's enough opportunities out there to look for to look for next year's Andrus, the guy that has typically run that was uh, that was dinged up, you're like, hey, why isn't he running? What happened? Uh, and, and look look along those lines and just try to get enough to compete because the stolen bases gives you a better chance to score runs. Absolutely. It's really weird if if you're high in steals and low in runs. It's, I mean those two categories are very closely correlated yeah i i still don't think i'll dive in on like a gordon or a hamilton but i'll, I'll hopefully be i'll be trying to eye some of those 20 to 30 guys i'm interested to see whit merrifield's price because i'm not afraid to buy in because uh, i think the price is going to be reasonable i don't think whit merrifield's going to get o- overdrafted i really think that his season will be adequately priced in the market so i'm kind of eager to see that Ah, uh, man he wasn't adequately priced last year i paid 19 bucks for him in my home league because I had two hundred and forty-two dollars left, or two hundred and forty-one dollars for once. I, I I had nineteen dollars well, for my final draft spot, and I jokingly said nineteen dollars with Maryfield. That too, like, that's that's a perfectly fair price. I had him accurately priced. Uh, yeah, we'll see how the Tommy Fam. He sold twenty-five Maryfield thirty-four. Um, who else was kind of out? You know, Brett Gardner. I think hadn't been stealing as much recently. He was back up at twenty-three with a twenty-twenty season. That's one of your dudes, but he's going to be thirty-four next year. There, yeah. there aren't a ton of guys though. That's the crazy thing. I'm. Where do you think Buxton's going to go? He went. He ended up sixteen twenty nine. Uh, just as high. And by the way, the Cubs still don't have a hit with runners in scoring position, but they have two solo homers. Well, there now. they go. They, you know, you don't need risk when you just risk them yourself. Javi Baez is taking five times as long to round the bases as he took to hit the ball out of the park. Harrison Baez, yeah, of course they rip lefties. That's not that's not too surprising there. And there it is. That's got to be the slowest. That like David Ortiz is like, damn son, speed it up. Does um. Was it Larry Granillo? Does he still do the home run trot thing? I think he does. Wow, Baez is now one for twenty-one in the postseason. I, I'm I'm sorry, I drew a blank on the question you asked. Uh, Buxton's price next year. Oh, it's still going to be the same. I, I th- honestly, the way he closed the season. I mean, last year he got uh, 2016 super hot in September. People were paying you know, like uh, the twenty something, uh, twenty bucks. I think he went twenty in tout, and he was being drafted high. And after the way he played in the second half, and and he looked better, he probably even goes a little more. In a single league, maybe he's a twenty-two, twenty-three because you know he he showed he showed the willingness to make the adjustments, and the adjustments worked out for him. Now you know the league is gonna it's always a chess match. You change something, pitchers change something, hitters go, changes something else. Um, but you know he's getting that experience that he needs at, at the plate, and the Twins are done yo-yoing. He's up for good. And he's shown he can make these adjustments, and after what I saw in the second half, I'm gonna be aggressive bidding for him next year. How high would you take him in a mixed league? Top, top six rounds? Um, that's, yeah, yeah. Six, not five. I'd make a sixth rounder would be about as much, but he may be gone by then. That's the thing. You might not get him. In I'm curious to see. I want to see, I want to see where he goes. Uh, you and I are recording and we're in the nine o'clock spot in Arizona, right? So we'll be able to see some drafts before. Yeah, actually. Um, and We'll probably uh, he'll he'll be gone. We'll know. We'll be able to talk about the first probably like at least ten, twelve rounds of of the mixed league draft. Great, I, I, yeah, I would love to be able to. That's one of the guys I want to watch and and see where he's going in the different drafts. Yeah, he's going to be a um, big one for sure. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I still don't know that I'm going to be willing to push him. We'll see. We'll see. I got I got a winter to 
study it. Um, is there anybody that you saw? I'm throwing this one on you. Is there anyone that you saw in September um, while uh, pitching or hitting that, that you're putting a little star by? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to be jumping on, on, on this dude. Or have you not done any of that prep yet? You know, and it's because it's it's also relevant right now, but Greg Bird looked damn good November. He's looked damn good in October. But he also looked, he looked Wait, really good last September, too. But that, that I mean, the, the the swing at the plate looks really Who good. Who was that? It cut out when you were saying the name. Greg Bird. Oh, yeah, Bird looks fantastic. Again, I'm definitely going to be overhyped on him. Now, I, I stopped shy of the top 100, which is where some people were putting him in after the big uh, spring. But I'm, I'm ready to buy back in. It's very clear that it was health, not skill, that, that had him – you know, playing terribly this year. So I'm back in on Greg Bird for sure. Oda Rizzi really looked good down the stretch. I mean, he had one game where he just really stunk up the point of the place, but his numbers look good uh, coming down the stretch. And I think he's 99% uh, certain to be traded off the club. Uh, so that's one of the ones where like, you got to see where he goes to see how things are going to, to see where things end up. But he intrigues me in, in the AL only format. Uh, I'm back. Aaron Nola had his issues, but uh, he ended up he ended up turning around in September. Say what you will about what Trevor Bauer ended up doing in the postseason. Uh, you know his last start wasn't good. But the first one was just icing on the cake for what he had done down the stretch. I was just pretty much watching a lot of Trevor Bauer in the second half uh, and really enjoying what I was watching. You know, can have that. <laughs> All right. Well, you and Eno can join in on that one and, and have a good time. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut it here. Uh, we're going to try to get back in on the weekend with a little bit more of a formal episode, but it's just been a while since you and I talked. One to jump on. Hopefully over the weekend we can get Justin to produce it because I'm a little nervous about how this turns out. Zencaster is also a piece of crap. We changed. It's also garbage, so I'll clean it up as much as I can. Hopefully it's it's good to go. But, Jason, we'll talk soon again. Yes, uh, Sunday evening will be good. I'll be back from uh, Annapolis uh, early afternoon, hopefully and with then a dub. hopefully it'd be nice because after that, then we got to roll. Hopefully, roll all the way to Black Friday when uh, USF comes to town to Orlando, and uh, that could be for a P six bowl game. Uh, New Year's Day, right New Year's Day bowl game. Yeah, that's that's what rivalries happen, man. I have two undefeated teams. Although I want them to lose to Tulane this weekend, <laughs> that would be rich. Uh, but it's nice. You know, two years ago, had zero wins. Now, five wins. And a win this weekend will equal the win total from the previous two seasons combined. Well, good luck to your UCF Knights, and uh, and we'll, we'll talk this weekend. All right, man. Peace. <laughs>